Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today. That God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth. That you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. Today, um, preparing the way of the Lord series in Mark, if you have a Bible or you want to grab one out of the seats or your phone app or whatever you have a Bible, um, turn to Mark chapter 6 today. I want to talk about God's empowering us to be a witness that uh, from this example that we're going to read today is about when Jesus sent out his disciples. He sent out his 12 disciples, two by two. That means six, if you don't know the math. So, <laughs> six different teams to go out and to pray and to minister to people. And so very early on in Jesus' ministry, he was empowering his disciples, his followers, to do what he did. To go out and do what he did. Now you might think for some of us, well, that was then. That was his disciples, you know, that became apostles and did miracles and healings. Could that still happen today? Does God want to give us the same empowerment to be witnesses, to be light in darkness, to be salt and light in our community? And when I read the scriptures, I say it didn't really stop with the disciples and the apostles. Really, it would be a continuation that until he comes again, preparing the way of the Lord means God preparing me because we're living in the last days, if you haven't noticed. And I would say even more as the day is approaching, I believe that we're seeing more and more things. God saying, get out there, minister to people, show my love, show my joy as we were talking about already today. Be a witness of his power in you. And so Jesus gave them an impartation of his spirit. He, he said, I'm giving you my authority, I'm giving you my power, I'm giving you an impartation of my spirit upon you. And this was pre-Pentecost. So this was like in the Old Testament, like we mentioned Moses, I mentioned Moses earlier, and different prophets and so on. The Holy Spirit would come upon, like King Saul, King David, it would come upon them, but it would be lifted up, it would be lifted off of them. It was not a, a permanent thing. Um, just as he was praying an impartation over them, it was not a permanent thing, but it was just like a temporary impartation of the Holy Spirit upon them. Um, so this is pre-Pentecost. So the disciples had been taught. They went around with Jesus as he taught. They saw and witnessed him do miracles, healings, raising the dead, casting out demons, um, cleansing the leper, you know, you name it. They saw that. And now he said, now I want you to go and do that. Have you ever been in that situation where you're just like, now, now go do that? And you're like, ah, oh, I feel so inadequate. I feel so unqualified. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I don't know if you've ever been in situations like that. But what I have found, that experience is often our best teacher. Just doing it. Just getting out there and trying. You, can't, you won't know until you try, right, to experience that. And I believe that's the way God works often too. He says, I want you to try. 
I want you to experience this. I want you to share your faith with someone. I want you to offer to pray for someone. I want you to try it. See it and try it. You might like it. <laughs> that's, that's often what we would tell our kids growing up. Is like, you know, we sit down and we had the vegetables and we told them, you cannot say you don't like it until you try it. That was the Perkins rule. Never. And so we've had other kids come into our family at times and uh, be there. And they're like, I don't like that. And I said, have you ever tried it? No, I don't like it. I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> you can't say you don't like it if you don't try it. So we still have friends once in a while that say that still. And we're like, you know what the Perkins rule is? So, you know, I would rather go to a professional whether it be a medical professional or, or be a, a mechan car mechanic or something that just doesn't just have a bunch of head knowledge. They're not just fresh out of college or mechanic school or, or doctor school or whatever. But how much experience do you have before you cut me open or you know, before you do something like that? I would, I would kind of like to, I like experience. I would rather choose a, a you know, sometimes even coworkers. I would just like, I like a little bit of experience because, you know, but you have to start somewhere, right? You always have to start somewhere. And I love to give, especially young people, opportunities to try. Give them an opportunity to try. We need to champion our young people. We need to believe in them. And we need to say, yes, maybe that didn't go so good. But hey, just still, you tried. And that's why... We're going to keep on going. We're going to keep it up. But that's exactly what Jesus was doing with his disciples. And if you think they were professionals, you're wrong. <laughs> they were messy. They were messy people. So that's exactly what Jesus was doing today as we read. And I want to read this passage starting in verse 7, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you, listen or listen to you, shake the dust off from your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. And they went out and they preached and the people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Lord Jesus, I ask that as we pay attention to this, Holy Spirit, will you prompt us in this? Will you show us, God, how to step out, how to be willing to step out in faith and to be used by you and, and take some risks. Lord, I believe following faith is, can be risky at times. And Lord, that's what you're calling us, each of us, Lord, to be willing vessels to go out and be used by you, God. I pray that we'd be inspired by this today in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we, as we look at this, you'll notice that he sent them out two by two. Why is that significant? Why is that important? Um, for one, I would always say that God always um, looks at the church in the context of community. Always. 
There's never a moment where he says, you know, just, just go out by yourself and, you know, have church by yourself. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't say that. His, uh, ecclesia is the fellowship of the saints. It is being together with people. And so I would say there's always in this, when, when he was sending them out two by two, because there's safety, there's encouragement, there's uh, keeps us in check, keeps us accountable at times when we're out ministering with people. Um, but again, we always do life better together. You know, and that's why what Jesse just shared here today. Better together, you know, and to, to share our, our happy things, our, our sad things, our prayer requests, whatever it may be. Together, we are more courageous and, and we're more clear, we're more direct, and we can be accountable to one another. And that's why Jesus sent them out instead of alone. Now, some of you might be anxious about sharing your faith with other people. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good at that type of stuff. I'm just like, you know, I think we over-spiritualize it sometimes. We make it too complicated when it's really just sharing how Jesus has made a difference in your life, sharing your testimony with someone who's powerful. There's probably nothing more powerful than your testimony. It doesn't mean you have to carry your Bible under your sh and, and thump people with it, you know. Uh, I think that's what people expect, but just saying, you know, just sharing your life and how, how you've changed. Um, but don't do it alone. Let, let, do it with someone else, and you'll be surprised how much easier and how much more effective it is when you actually try and when you do it with someone else. We do ministry better together. So Jesus told them not to take anything with them as well. Don't take any bread. Don't take your extra tunic. Just remember that. No extra tunics. Um, you know, no, why did he do that? Why did he say that? Um, the disciples were not to take anything extra with them, but just to, to pack lightly for their journey. And I was kind of seeing in this that, do we do that? Do we ever get so much clutter and stuff in our lives that, that it limits our ability to, to minister to God? Yeah. Do you have some baggage and stuff that you just like, you know, I got that, I got that car payment and I just, I, I can't go on this trip this time because, you know, I, I need that. I, you know, there's always something that may hold us back because we got some extra stuff and I'm just like, you were carrying around our suitcase, so to speak. And just like, it, it's not going to work. But also maybe it was be because he was actually saying, not just sending you out, but in the midst, I want you to trust me. I want, it doesn't actually say how long they were ministering. It could have been days. could have just been a weekend thing, or it could have been weeks or months that he actually sent them out. We don't know exactly. But he said, don't do that because I want you as you go to depend on me, to trust me. I'm going to take care of your extra food and your extra tunic. I'll take care of that too. Um, so maybe this was another reason Jesus was trying to teach them about faith. If the preacher doesn't trust God, how do we expect other people to trust God? <laughs> so how often does too much stuff in our life hinder us from ministering to people? Do you have clutter? Do you have any clutter? Do you need to clean out your closet, so to speak, so that you can respond in a moment's notice when the Holy Spirit prompts you? You don't have things holding you back. Get rid of the ball and chain, whatever that may be. Maybe it is debt. Maybe God's convicting you. Maybe that's my clutter. I need to get rid of some of that. 
I think this really applies to us in, in this sense. Uh, we need to lighten up, get rid of some of our extra heavy loads, things that restrict us from witnessing. But number one today I want to point out is that we have a sending God. God is the sender. He is a sending God. And all throughout the Bible, God wants, when he wants to do something on earth, he sends people like you and me <laughs> that are just willing, just willing to go. Not that, okay, when you finally get to, you know, your degree in Bible college, and then when you get to do this, and then I'll finally, I'll finally release you to do, to do those things. I'm not saying that there's not value in education. You know, it's good. I've done it myself. But just like that, he wants to send us out, and he wants to go, now that you've seen me do it, now you get to do it. <laughs> now you get to try it, you know. Um, like the very first time, you know, working the ambulance and they had me uh, do IVs on people. One thing you never do is you never tell the first person, this is my very first IV. You, know? <laughs> you never tell anybody that. <laughs> it is like, you know, I've been doing this a long time and, you know, <laughs> poking their... So, I'm way beyond that now, but <laughs> I've done a couple. No. <laughs> um, and when you go out, look for opportunities, look for open doors that God's going to give you. But you know what? There's going to be some doors that are going to be slammed in your face as well. There's going to be doors that are going to be closed, and he, and he addresses that. When you go out, some people are going to go, no, thank you. Shut the door in your face. Some people might even do worse. <laughs> but we get some closed doors. People don't want to hear it. But don't let that stop you. Keep on going. And then he says, and in the process, if you get that, what did he say? Shake the dust off your feet as a witness to them. I mean, that seems kind of harsh. But in, in basically, it's kind of means wash your hands of it all, or, or just move on. Just move on. I mean, I don't know if you've been rejected. It's like if you've ever tried witnessing and going door to door and handing out tracts. I mean, maybe we don't do that as much anymore as, as we used to. But um, there's times where I've heard people say, I'm never going to do that again. I mean, that was embarrassing. And you know what? I've done it before. And there's really more open doors than there's closed doors. Believe it or not, most people will welcome you and just like, oh, thanks for stopping by. Um, but there's times where they do refuse. They don't want it. Move on. Um, and it's basically saying that these people whom are closing the door, if, if you get just complete resistance, you know what? There are, there are times where they, just, they don't want it and you just need to walk away. But don't let it stop you. Just move on. When God called the prophet Isaiah, I'm just thinking about this the other day in, in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, God took care of his limitations too. When God called him and he was, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the, the train of his robe filled the, 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 the throne room of God and, and, and I saw these seraphim shouting, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory and and he was just seeing this, and he goes, oh, I am undone. 
I am a man of unclean lips. And I live with people that are unclean lips too. And it says, then he saw the seraphim take the coal from the throne room of God, the fire of God, and touch his tongue. He said, now you're clean. Now you are atoned for. Your sin is covered. And then what did he say immediately right after that? He goes, he said, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, I guess send me. You know, I don't even think it was, I guess send me. It was like, here I am, Lord. You've cleansed me now. Here I am, send me. How many of you have ever said that prayer? It's a pretty risky prayer. Here I am, Lord, send me. I don't know, did you? It is a risky prayer. Anytime, any place, anywhere you put me or place me. That is how I want to respond with no restrictions, with nothing holding me back. I'm ready, Lord. That is a risky thing. And when I spell the word faith, it's usually spelled R-I-S-K. Right? There's always an element of risk. Jesus was sending his disciples out two by two and he was challenging them. And it was risky. Have you ever met a risk taker that has challenged your faith? And you're just looking at them going, hey, wow, <laughs> you know, at times God has challenged me to step out in faith and I finally did something or I, I gave to something or I, I, I was prompted to go somewhere. I've always met someone that had way more faith than me. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, <laughs> people that have been doing it for years and just like, okay, maybe God's just trying to keep me humble at the same time. <laughs> but Jesus was sending out his disciples and it said, um, you know, to, to do what he did. How do we take risks? What is God asking of us? What are things that he's asking of us as we step out in faith that God would prompt us to do, that he would approve of, so to speak? What kind of risk taker are you? Or do you like to play it safe? I just like to, I like to play it safe. I like to, you know, uh, every day, you might say that we take risks. Just even going on Highway 93, we're taking a risk. Risking our life right there. But then there's those who take risks to a whole new level. And you're like, wow, that person just lives their faith. Would you describe yourself as a risk taker? Or do you know a risk taker? And what does that look like for you to take a faith, step of faith? Faith always involves a surrender to the Lord to say, I surrender to you. And as you surrender in there, now that's the easy part. It's actually being obedient to do it now, to go and do it. I didn't find anywhere reading in this passage where they said, well, maybe not today. <laughs> maybe, can you send someone else? Um, they didn't do that. At least they don't record that in the, in the gospel. Um, but it's not always that God calls you to the mission field in a foreign country, but rather he calls you where, where does he call you every day? Where does he call you right now? What is your mission field right here? Um, to risk, we have to know why we risk and taking risks can be, can be messy at times. And we often get busy maintaining things so much that we don't take risks that we're just like, I'm just trying to maintain my, my own life. I don't, I don't have, you know, it's often because we don't have any margins in our life anymore. 
We're so consumed, so busy, and I think this also has to do with the clutter part, that we have no buffer spaces at all. When I used to be in the uh, laborers union and, and, you know, they had flaggers and they have those, you know, those big long stretches where you're flagging um, because they're trying to protect the workers on the highways and stuff. Um, and one thing they always told us is that pretend everyone's drunk, basically, <laughs> and always have an escape route um, because people will run over people. Uh, but that, that, that cones, when they, when they have those cones, it's called the buffer zone. And usually it's supposed to be at least 1,500 feet before the workers, um, at minimum, you know. So do we have buffers in our life? Do we have buffer zones? Are we so spread out that we don't have any space left to give? How can we get that back? Get rid of some of the clutter, the baggage, so that you can take some risks once in a while. And so what does risky Christianity look like? And today may not mean I have to die for my faith, but I might be ridiculed for my faith. I might be made fun of. I might be called a Jesus freak or a fanatic. I might have people reject me on Facebook and not be a friend anymore. Unfriend me. That, if that's taking a risk for you, Wow. Well, if, it, if that's a place to start, I mean, that, that's good. I, I will say that's good. Start there, unfriending people. But last week, we had prayer teams go around, uh, what we call beacon of hope prayer teams, and they were going to homes and praying over homes and anointing them and serving communion. It was really cool. And actually, um, it was recorded. They came to my house, too, and... Um, and so it's really cool. And I got to go out with a few families too, or people. And some people, there were some healings that were recorded. Some people got saved. And it was like so cool that just that little prompting um, did that. We've even done things that um, called treasure hunts where you pray and ask God to show you something and then you go and look for it. Have you ever heard of that? That's so cool. I mean, I, I've never done that until recent years, just going and what? You can do a scavenger hunt for Jesus? <laughs> it's like, and, and basically that's what you do. And you go and find these things and, and God will show pictures. So God will show some, something to someone and they'll go find it. Literally, they'll go find that person that they just, they just prayed about. And God's showed them. And people have been led to Jesus that way. Just like only God can do stuff like that. That's what's so cool. Um, but um, I need to tell this quick story. About 10 years ago, I went on a team to India and Nepal. And um, I was going specifically on this team where they were going and, and teaching pastors and ministers in these churches, thousands of people in some of these locations. And uh, this one day, they wanted to have our teams go out two by two or two uh, or three um, to go minister in these villages where people have never heard of Jesus before these remote parts of India. So we, they hooked us up with local pastors in India. And so we went and we went to this, these little dinky churches um, and we preached and we prayed for people if they wanted prayer for healing. And a really cool story is God did do some healings for people. Um, and then we were supposed to be back at a certain time. We want you back at the hotel at a certain time. So um, it was getting later on during the day and so the, the people were, um, 
saying, or the pastors were saying, we need to take you to this other location because these people have been waiting all day for you to come and pray for them for healing. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and I had this guy on my team. He kind of annoyed me a little bit. Um, but he was a nervous guy. He goes, no, 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 no. We need to get going back to the hotel because we need to be back in an hour. And, 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 and so he, he just got in the car and they were in a different car and, and there's another gal that was with us. And they, they got in the car and took off toward the hotel. And so these pastors came to me and they're going, please, please, Greg, please, will you come? These people have been waiting in this village all day long for you to pray. And I'm like, oh, I'm, and they specifically told us, do not separate. Do not separate your teams. Get back to the hotel, stay together as a team. And so it's just like, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed, please, please. And they're begging me. It's not very far. It's not very far. I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, and I'm not advocating, I'm not advocating disobeying the rules. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, okay? Don't hear me wrong on this, but I felt so bad. I'm like, okay, let's go there and let's just get back. Because I, I, I don't think that guy heard the Lord correctly. I don't think he did. I knew we were supposed to go there, but he was just too nervous and he, he wanted to get back. So, we get in the car and we drive and we drive, and we drive, and we drive, and we drive, and I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was a little bit nervous when we start getting further and further to these remote places in India somewhere. Um, I didn't worry about the pastor guys, but uh, when they say it's not going to take very long, um, not very long in India means a total different thing than America. <laughs> Way different. So we drove and got to this place. And these people were sitting outside this little dinky uh, shelter all day waiting. And I prayed for all of them. And some of them had these... I remember this one guy had this huge infection on his foot. And me as an EMT, I was going, where is the first aid kit? <laughs> but, but I was just praying for these people. And so, okay, got these dozen or so people prayed for. And I said, let's, let's get back in the car and let's get out of here. And then the pastor goes, no, you need to preach a sermon. Oh, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so got out of my Bible and I started preaching. I don't even remember what I preached to them. They're like, okay, let's get going. And he goes, no, give them an invitation to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So gave them the gospel message and, and asked them, and every one of them raised their hand to accept Jesus. <laughs> to all 12, and, and, and the pastors told me that most of them were Hindus. And so I was just like, oh. I would have missed this opportunity. And, and here the pastor and me going, are you guys going to do follow-up? You know, make sure you follow up with these people afterwards. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we will. I got back a couple hours later to the hotel and walked in. And I tried to pretend like no one would see me. But, of course, they knew I was missing. <laughs> so I got a talking to by one of the leaders please don't ever, 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 ever do that again. <laughs> so I said, I am sorry. Can you be not sorry sometimes? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. 
Uh, yes, I was sorry that I disobeyed the rules. I'm not sorry that Jesus touched these people and, and they got saved. I'm not sorry about that part. But I won't disobey the rules anymore. You might say that God asks us to do risky things at times. And I'm not saying that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> I'm not saying that either. But God has entrusted to us the kingdom of God and to continue to do the work in the ministry of Jesus wherever we go. And it might mean fudging some of the time constraints, fudging some of our comforts, fudging some of the rules, if you will, at times. Every Christian is sent by God to do the work of God. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 18, as you send me, I am sending them into the world. And that was after his resurrection. Jesus commissioned them. He said, go. And peace be with you, it says in John chapter 20, verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father is sending me, I am sending you. And so just as Jesus was sent into the world, he says, I am sending you to go and do what I did. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same Jesus is empowering you, anointing you, and he, the Holy Spirit, past Pentecost now, Holy Spirit in you, to go and do what he did. In Matthew 10, I want to give you a few more scriptures you can, you can jot down, that we represent God. Jesus repeatedly said this. Matthew 10, verse 40. He who receives you receives me. He who receives me receives the one who sent me. And Luke chapter 10, verse 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So you will get rejected, but they're rejecting God. Don't take it personal. And 13, verse 20. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Again, these same scriptures identifying that as you go, you are representing him. Where does God send us? He sends us here, near, and far. This is our, in Acts chapter eight, 1, verse 8, when he was saying, you will receive power. He's telling us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he's saying, where is the first place that he sends us is our Jerusalem, our here, right here. Um, we start where we are in our everyday world, in our life, where you are right now. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be a witness in your everyday life. Not just when you finally get credentialed, so to speak. And, and that's one thing, I, if I had time today, I would go on and tell you a little bit of my testimony, how God had to work in me to, because I went to Bible college to get a degree and, and get this pastor degree so I could be a minister. And once I got that, he said, it's not just when, full-time ministry is not just when you get a job in a church building it's when you're a minister wherever you go. And I had to find that out the hard way um, another day. But where our here is, right where you are in your everyday life. And so God is sending you. And if God puts on your heart to be a pastor, a minister, an evangelist, uh, you know, in that sense, um, it's just who you are. It's just who you are. 
That's who, that's who God makes you to be. You don't have to muster it up. You don't have to make it happen. It's just that's who you are. But more than just these office gifts, God wants us all to be full-time ministers. Absolutely. You are all called to be missionaries here in the Mission Valley, here in Polson, and that's where we can start. Some of you are missionaries in your school, in your workplaces, in your families. You don't have to go to Africa to do that. But I, I teach Christians that they're missionaries right where they are and that we need to go find, we need to go tell, and we need to bring. We need to go find people that you already know. <laughs> I don't know if you have to find them so much. They're already probably in your life. Go find people, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about your testimony and bring them to Jesus. Bring them into your life. There's a cost to discipleship, and I don't think it just means our own cost, but it's a cost to disciple others as well. There's a cost that you lay your life down, that you spend time with them. There's a cost to it. And most people would rather just be Christians than disciples because discipleship requires something of us. A couple of our biggest outreaches we start is the baseball ministry. And, and that's, that's so awesome because not only do we serve candy and, and pop and hamburgers and hot dogs, but I bought another three cases of Bibles so that we could, uh, we can give away Bibles and we give away Bibles every, almost every game. Just have them up there and say, hey, would you like a Bible? And kids grab these Bibles. We have children's Bibles. We have regular Bibles. And we give them away all the time because this is a continuation outreach ministry I feel that God has called us to do. And that whole story of, of, you know, I was so frustrated, so frustrated because we, it's hard to compete with sports. It's hard to compete with um, the sports God in our, in our community that God told me a long time ago to cast your net on the other side, Greg. And I'm like, what do you mean? Go, go to where the fish are. And I'm like, well, the fish are sports, you know, they're doing all this stuff. I can't compete with that. He goes, cast your net out and bring them to you. And that's, the, that's the, my fishnet field. So, and they show up every, well, at least four days a week. Four days a week, they show up and they fill this parking lot. They're just waiting to be caught. They're just waiting to be loved on, waiting to be ministered to you. And if this is a plug for volunteering, yes. No. <laughs> no, I mean, no, <laughs> just capture my heart in this, that it, it really is loving on the people. And I have seen people get saved. I have seen people get prayed for and healed. I have seen people, does it mean that they all come on Sunday morning? No, and I don't think they have to. I think they just need to see a living representation of people that love our community. And I hear it every game almost this is the best place in town. This is the best field in town. We love it here. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. He's given us that. Jesus commissions us to go out. And the great commission is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We're called to go and make disciples of all ethnos, of all ethnic groups. You know, even in our own community, we have different ethnic groups. God calls us to reach all nations. It means not just 
I mean, whatever people group that is. And God, you know what? God is bringing people here in droves. We're seeing numbers of people moving here. Uh, part of my Montana part side of me is like, eh. And part of me is like, okay, God, you're also opening up the floodgates of people that need Jesus. And if anything, we can be a representation of Jesus to the different nations. But I want to point out too that, um, and lastly, is that God sends us to do what he did in his power and his authority to preach what and do what he did. How else do we take risks? We go out and preach the gospel. We obey the word of God in this and we go. Faith is shown in the going, in the obedience. We obey the word of the Lord. The great commission says to go make disciples of all ethnos, all nations. How else do we take risks? It's necessary that we uh, don't get the, the great commission before the great commandment, okay? Because it's not just a religious obligation that he, he's wanting to require us to do. He said, be transformed by the love of God and that he ask him for the love of people. Because a lot of times, there's times I don't really love people. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to love people. And sometimes I just say, God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a love that I just don't feel right now. Because love is, I don't know if anyone's said this to you lately, love is not a feeling. Love can feel things, yes, but love is an action more than it is a feeling. Because there's days, even as much as I love Jill with all my heart, there's days we wake up and we're like, who are you? No. <laughs> no. Um, we have to choose to love. And, and especially when, when you have those disagreements, when you have those moments, you're just like, I'm going to love you even though I don't like you right now. <laughs> right? I hope I'm okay with Joe after that one, but... Um, the, the go is in your going. That If you heard that part, that's what I want you to hear. We as a church are called to be missional community, not a commune. We're not a commune. Um, the church was just the beginning. In the book of Acts, if you read through Acts, Acts chapter 2, it says they had everything in common. There was a community there. There was a community of believers, and if they found out someone was in need, they met that need. If they had someone that needed prayer, they met that. They gathered together. They listened to the teachings, but they gave out of their pocketbooks, and they gave to whatever was needed. They were missional, and that's what God calls us to be. Uh, imagine being part of an early church. They didn't know they had to go to a conference to be missional. <laughs> they, had, they, they just knew that they were filled with the presence of God. And that it compelled them to go out and share it. Because when you've witnessed it and when you've experienced it, you don't, and it's like telling someone, a newlywed or, or someone that's just fallen in love, you don't have to convince them to share about their love. It just is. Sometimes you need to say, calm it down a little bit. <laughs> oh, you're just newlywed. You're just, yeah, yeah. When you finally get over that, then you'll finally be normal. 
But that's really what God wants us to be, is just like, I can't contain it. When, when these early church had witnessed all these things happening, it was just exciting. You gotta come, you gotta come see this. They're doing miracles, they're doing healings, the people are getting saved. It's just like, you did not have to stop it. It was just natural. And that's what God wants us to be, an attraction to people that love God and love people. And things happen when they gather together. That's what a missional movement is, not just a meeting. It's the presence of God. God wants us to be a missional community. I hope you hear that today. Don't be afraid in, the, in your going to fail once in a while. If you never fail, it's because you never tried. Like I said, if you don't like broccoli, can't say you don't like it unless you've eaten it before. I've tried mustard, and I know I don't like mustard. <laughs> Being led by the Spirit takes bravery and courage. It takes risks, and taking risks will always be a little bit messy. Jesus takes risks with us. We're messy. His disciples were messy, but he used them, and, th and it changed the world. It changed history, and that's how the church started. That's how the church continues what makes a missional church? Missional churches do what Jesus did, and they reproduce and multiply to reach the nations. Our church vision statement is empowered love, creating community. We're empowered by God's love, and in that, we create community together as a family of God. And our, our um, no, that was our vision statement. Our mission statement is becoming like Jesus together. Very simple, very memorable. It's in your bulletin. You can look on the back. That I just, as I give my life to Jesus, as I commit my life to him, I start to look more like him and hopefully become like him and do what he did. So I hope you're with me in that. Will you be missional and be a risk taker? Ask him for a love for the loss. Ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered, and to be missional. God has risked everything for you. If you don't have a love for your community, ask God. Say, God, <laughs> I struggle in this area. Give me a love. Open up my life. Perhaps open up my home, whatever it takes, and ask him to baptize you and fill you with his spirit to empower you to be a witness for him. It's not just about you. I guarantee that. But it's about the lost people coming to know the love of the Father. So, Lord God, we just, in closing today, I want to be poured out for you. I want to be filled with your spirit so that I can be spilled out to do more for you. Lord, you don't call us to be perfect. You just call us to be available, to be ready, to be uh, ready to go and, and to take those risks. And there's going to be some days where it's not going to be fun necessarily. It's not going to always be... Uh, exciting. It's just going to be, uh, as I always say, there's always more days of faithfulness than fruitfulness. Lord, that we can just be faithful, 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 and someday we're going to wake up and we're going to see fruit. There it is. There it is. You call us to be faithful, to share the love of Jesus, and watch and see what you can do through us. We want to be willing to, to step out 
and reach people. And if there's anyone here today that has never made that decision for you, today is a day to give your life to Jesus, to say, yes, yes, I, I do believe. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that I cannot save myself. And I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I turn from my sin. I turn and I stop running. If there's anyone here today that perhaps is, needs to get back with God, that today's a moment to do that. To simply admit it. God, I, I need to recommit my life to you. And I do that today. And I ask you to empower me to be your witness. Every one of us, Lord, to be used by you and to love on people are here, near, and far. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen.